Glad you guys are here. If you're joining us online, we're glad y'all are with us as well. My name is David. I'm the pastor here. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Acts 3 in middle school. Y'all can slip out with Jeremy if y'all want to do that. Matt mentioned um, we're day 14 of a 21-day fast. I hope y'all are participating. If you kind of fell off the wagon, get back on. you got a week. Don't worry about it. Uh, re- re-engage. Uh, I think Matt mentioned this as well. Anytime that we make a concerted effort to uh, pursue Jesus, be a bit more intentional in our relationship with him, you can expect some resistance. We have an enemy, and the last thing he wants you to do is to get closer to Jesus. So anything he can do to distract you or discourage you, he's going to do that. Like You may have been thinking, I'm fasting, and the sky's going to be bluer, and the grass is going to be greener, and everybody's going to be nicer, and none of those things are happening. This may be the, that may have been the, the, the worst two weeks of your life, the past two weeks. And you're, and, and you're kind of going, this doesn't make sense. It's not working. It is. It doesn't work in that way. It's, fasting is a, is a discipline that over time creates heart habits, uh, where we're, it makes us more sensitive to the Lord. It makes it easier for us to push out distractions and to focus on Him. So fasting, it's not, we're, we're fasting for three weeks, but it's not a one-off. We're looking for long-term fruit from this. We're making a spiritual investment now and trusting that's going to pay off in the weeks and months and years to come, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those people that we love. So I want to encourage you, stick with it. Um, I know it, it can get old and kind of tiresome, but do your best to be faithful uh, during this last week, and we'll trust the Lord to, to use it to work in our lives. All right, uh, empty hands, full hearts, that's been our theme for this fast. We want to relinquish control in every area of our life. We want to ask the Lord, how do you want to use me? What do you want to say to me? What do you want to do in me and through me? That's the idea of relinquishing control, empty hands, asking the Lord what he wants to say and do in us, full hearts. We've looked at Zacchaeus, the importance of, we said kind of, quote, climbing a tree, pushing through limitations, pushing through obstacles in order to see Jesus. That's what fasting is. And then uh, also with Zacchaeus, the importance of repentance, of changing our mind, of moving from disagreement with God to agreement with God in every area of life. Last week, Hannah dedicating her son Samuel to the Lord. And we said for us, we want to acknowledge the good gifts that God has given us, but we, want to, we don't want to hold those things as our own possessions. We want to give them back to him and say, you're the owner I'm just the steward. How do you want to use these gifts in my life? I don't want to hoard them. I certainly don't want to move to a place where I'm worshiping them, and that's very easy to do, where a good gift becomes an idol without us even knowing it. We want to be very intentional about dedicating these things back to the Lord, trusting Him to use them. Today we're going to look at a story from Acts 3 about Peter and John. So this is, just to help you context, so this is after Jesus' death and resurrection, after he's ascended into heaven, we have the, the, his disciples are in Jerusalem carrying on his mission and his ministry. So Acts 3, this is probably a couple of years maybe after Jesus' death. At the far end, it would be a couple of years. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon, that's the time of prayer. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. 
So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, Peter helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Straightforward story. Just a few things, points maybe of clarity. This is a normal day, and that's important for us as we unpack this in our own life. This was just a regular day. Peter and John were faithful Jews, and so they probably went to the temple every day, maybe at three in the afternoon. That was a time for evening sacrifice. It was a time for corporate prayer. Maybe not every day, but most days. Peter and John, as faithful Jews, as devout Jews, they would have been at the temple. This wasn't unusual for them. This lame man, we read every day he's put in the same spot. There's 10 gates that go into the sanctuary. This is the biggest and the best of the 10. The other nine all look the same. This one, this one called Beautiful, is different. It's way bigger. A guy, uh, Josephus, he's a historian, said it took 20 men to open and close this temple gate. It's huge, and it's, again, it's, it's made out of bronze, and so it stands out. So it's, uh, he's there every day, and it makes sense. He's a beggar. He makes his living on other people's generosity. So you put yourself in a high-traffic area, this massive gate going into the sanctuary, at a high-traffic time, 3 o'clock, when he knows there'll be devout Jews going to worship, and you put yourself in a place where people are going to be sympathetic. Uh, giving to the poor is an expression of devotion to the Lord, according to um, Jewish faith, and so you put yourself in a position where these guys who are coming, they're, they're devout. They're coming to worship, and so they're going to be more sympathetic to your cause. I wonder if it's the first time Peter and John ever saw this guy. I think they go to the temple regularly. This guy's at the temple all the time, and easily they could have passed each other. They could have given him money at some point in the past. I don't know. But for this, at this point, at this time, for whatever reason, Peter and John stop. And they say, look at us. And the guy looks at them expectantly. He thinks he's going to maybe get a large donation. And instead, what Peter says is unexpected. I don't have any money. I don't have any silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up. And the, he helps pull the guy up. And this guy hadn't even been able to stand. And now he's leaping. It's a complete healing, thorough, 100%. No lingering effects of whatever it was that had crippled him. If you keep reading in chapter 3 and in chapter 4, you'll see the results. They go into the temple. It's the first time this guy's been able to go into the temple his whole life. As someone who was lame, he was considered blemished. That Where he was at the gate, that's as close as he can get. This is the first time he's been able to worship God in God's presence. This is the first time he's been able to participate in what goes on in the temple, not just observe it from outside. And it draws a crowd. It gets people's attention. He's there every day begging, and now all of a sudden they're like, I, I just saw you begging, and now you're leaping and praising God. What happened? It gives Peter an opportunity to share, and he does. Peter and John actually wind up getting arrested, but uh, we also read that many Jews believe because of this miracle. It's an incredible story. Before we jump into what it means for us, just real quick, in the name of Jesus. If you've grown up in church, that can almost be a, a cliche or a slogan. Some even see it almost as magic words like abracadabra, like if we say that, 
God is somehow bound to do what we want or we're guaranteed to get certain results. It's not that at all. When we close today and then again on Wednesday, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. And many of you probably do that as well. And that's wonderful. I just want you to know what you're doing. It's not, it, it's not like signing a letter sincerely where you're not really even thinking about it. This is what you put at the end of a letter. To do something in the name of Jesus is to call on him. It's to do something as he would if he were here. It's to recognize relationally your connection to him and to call on, his, to call on him, to invoke his being, his power, his character. A, a contrast. Acts 19 is kind of a funny story. So there are these seven Jewish exorcists. They're sons of a guy named Sceva, S-C-E-V-A. And they see that Paul is super effective in uh, healing and in casting demons out of people. So they start thinking, well, we'll just do what Paul does. Paul casts demons out in the name of Jesus, so we're going to do that too. So they, th- there's a guy who's demonized, and they say to him, to these demons, come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's what they say. And this guy who's demonized, the demons are speaking through him. They say, we know who Jesus is, and we know about Paul, but we don't know who you are. And then this guy beats up all seven of the exorcists, and they run out of the house bleeding. The idea that we can just say in the name of Jesus and somehow it's magic, it's not. It's not. If there's no relational connection there, if there's no relationship, it's just words. So Peter and John, as, as three guys that spent three years with Jesus, they'd seen him do this dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. They've been commissioned by Jesus to carry on his ministry. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said was necessary to do this kind of work. And so in this moment, they're calling on him. They're saying, Jesus, in your power, would you... Heal this man. Would you move on him in your compassion? Things that they knew to be true about him. They knew he was compassionate. They knew he was powerful. And that's what they're drawing on. Nothing in themselves, but they're calling on him. So use that phrase, in the name of Jesus, provided you have the relational connection to do so. And recognize what you're saying. Again, it's not magic. You're calling on his character and his his being. And sometimes for me, it's helpful to think about it so that doesn't just become a tagline. Jesus, I'm asking you in your mercy to do this work. Jesus, I'm asking you as an expression of your power to do this work. Just reminding myself specifically who I'm calling on and what aspect of his personality and character and ministry I'm calling on. I hope that helps you a little bit. Okay, so what does this look like for us in our life? Matthew 10, first short-term mission trip ever. Jesus commissions the 12 uh, disciples, and he says this to them. Preach the good news of the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, um, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That's what we want to talk about. Freely you have received, freely give. That's what Peter says here. This is what I don't have, silver and gold. This is what I do have. I have power in the name of Jesus, and that's what I'm going to give you. All of us have received a spiritual inheritance. We want to identify what that is. God has placed us in the lives of other people. And part of our responsibility in those relationships is to give away what God has given to us. 
That's the definition of ministry. Ministry is giving away what you've received. You've heard the word discipleship. That's all discipleship is. It's giving away what you have received. All of us are ministers. Most of us, I'm an exception, you won't get paid to do ministry. That doesn't make it less valuable or less significant or less important. It's just as valuable and just as significant and just as important. There's role and responsibility for all of us. God has given each one of us an inheritance. And the idea is not that we hoard that and keep it to ourselves, but that we look for opportunities to give away what he has given to us. So if I gave you a note card and I said, write down what God has given to you, what, could, could you fill it out? For most of us, that's where we get tripped up. We don't really think about anything that God has given us. We think, well, he's given me eternal life, but what about now? What about in the here and now? What have you received from him? Jesus says to his disciples, preach the good news of the kingdom. We've all been given a message. The gospel, the good news, the truth, words of life, whatever label you want to use. We've all been given those things from Jesus. You know the, the problem. You know everybody's problem. Man, woman, black, white, brown, rich, poor, First world, developing country, doesn't matter. You know everybody's problem. And that problem is separation from God. It's not lack of access. It's not lack of opportunity. It's not lack of income. It's not lack of education. It's not bad parents. It's not bad genes. It's not a bad body. All of those things are significant and need to be dealt with. But if we're not dealing with the fundamental issue, that every single person who's ever been born is born separated from God, And then every single one of us makes a a decision consciously to continue in that separation, to continue to go our our own way. If we're not addressing that, ultimately, we're not providing the answer that people truly and deeply need. You know everybody's problem, and you know the solution. It's Jesus. You know that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that every person who believes in him won't die but will live forever. You know that God is seeking and saving people who are separated from him. You know that sin is the root of our problem and that God sent his son Jesus and through his death and his resurrection, sin is taken care of so that we can be reconciled to God, adopted into his family as sons and daughters. And you know it's not just about the forgiveness of sins. It's the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of forgiveness. As great as forgiveness is, it's just the first step. What God is looking for is long-term relationship with us. He delights in us and he desires us to relate to him as sons and daughters to a father. You know that Jesus is the king and he's establishing his rule and his reign in hearts and in communities all over the world. You know all of that. And that's what people need to hear. You know the problem and you know the answer. For everybody, whoever's sitting in front of you, you know the problem. And you know the solution. That's one of the things that you've been given. You've also been given power. Power to love people. Power to bless people. Power to serve people. You can spiritualize, heal the sick, and raise the dead, and cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. You can spiritualize all that, and I think that's legitimate. That that can speak to spiritual healing and relational healing and raising people who are spiritually dead to spiritual life and offering community and fellowship to lepers, those the outcasts and the ostracized. Absolutely. Those things are also literally true. 
You have the same power is available to you and me that Peter draws on to help a guy stand up and jump who's never walked before. That same power is resident in all of us through the Holy Spirit. It's not just spiritualizing those things. Again, I think that's a legitimate application. It's also taking those words, heal the sick, literally. God still heals sick people. He heals some people through natural means. He heals some people through medical means. And he heals some people instantaneously just because we ask. God still raises the dead. It's rare, but he does. God still cleanses lepers. God still casts demons out of people who are oppressed by Satan. He still does that work, and he does that work through his church, through us. You've been given a message, and you've been given power, and so have I. And that's stuff that we all have access to, but there's also a personalized inheritance. There are, it still fits under that same umbrella, but it's specific to you. There's insight, that's what we'll call it. There's insight that you have into what it means to follow Jesus that I might not. There's things that God has taught you along the way. Some of those things you've learned through experience, and that's wisdom. Some of, things, some of those things you've learned because God has just kind of spoken to you, either through his word or directly to your heart, that's revelation. Some of those things you've learned by studying, and that's knowledge. It's all legitimate. There's some things that you know about relationships that I don't know, about parenting, about marriage, about friendship, about employer-employee relations. There's things you know about finances. There's things that you know about faith. There's things that you know about work. In every area of our life, there's things that you know that I don't know. And I need to learn those things from you. You can give that to me. Just like there's things that I know that you don't, and I can give those things to you. That's part of our inheritance. Can you identify what that is? What has God taught you along the way? Something that may have taken you years to learn. You can teach me in minutes. You've given me a head start. Sometimes we want to hold those things close. We're like, this blood, sweat, and tears. you got to earn this. Nope. Freely you've received. So freely give. You've also received spiritual gifts. The specific ways that God wants to use you to love and to serve and to bless other people. We don't have time to get into spiritual gifts today. You'll see the passages there up on the screen. The three major New Testament passages on spiritual gifts. You can read those this week if you have questions about that, reach out, email one of the pastors of the church, and we'll do our best, or your small group leader, and they can help you walk through. There's all kinds of inventories online. Don't take any of them. Don't. They're not helpful. Everybody I know that takes an online inventory comes back as a teacher with the gift of hospitality. And the reason we pick those is because they're, like, they're, they're normal. Like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. They're great gifts, but you don't need a test to tell you. Just ask the Lord, how have you gifted me? Talk to other people. What do you see in me? 1 Corinthians 14 says that we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So are are there gifts that you want? Put yourself in a position where you need them. See if the Holy Spirit will give those gifts to you. I think he will. As we step out in faith, the gifts aren't our possession. We own these things. They're tools that he gives us to love and serve and bless other people. Do you know how God has gifted you? He has given many of you the gift of hospitality. How are you using that? He's given you the gift of mercy, the gift of giving, the gift of faith, the gift of discernment. How are you using those gifts to love and serve and bless 
others. So first, let's identify our inheritance. What has Jesus given to me? He's given me a message and he's given me power. Absolutely. And then specifically, are there some things that he's taught me that may be helpful to you? And are there some specific ways that he uses me that could be a blessing to you? Am I aware of those things? And the second is, to whom am I investing? Who am I giving these things away to? You don't necessarily have to go develop new relationships. Look at the relationships you have. For most of us, it's just looking at our current relationships through different eyes and recognizing none of us are better than anybody else. There's some things that you can give to me and there's some things that I can give to you. For most of us, it's recognizing you actually have things to give. For many of us, that's all it is. It's just a a bit of a shift and saying, you know what? God has given me some things. And so I want to see, is this an opportunity to serve and love and bless you? You do, receptivity I think is important. This beggar looks expectantly at Peter. That's important. Someone who's desiring what you have, at least open to it. Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before pigs. It's a tough statement, but these gifts that God has given you are precious. And somebody's not interested, you don't have to bang your head against the wall. You'll find somebody who is. But again, in, in, the, in the relationships that you have, just a simple template. It's something that we use here in our, as our staff meets with one another. We ask this simple questions. What's going on in your heart, in your home, and in your work? Just that simple questions. What's happening in your heart, your home, and your work? And then we try to listen. Not just to the words that people are saying, but the words behind the words. You all do that. It's not just what people say. It's how they say it. It's what they don't say. You know how to do that. And then as you're listening to them, you're also listening to the Lord. Is there anything that I could say that would be encouraging or helpful in this moment as this person is sharing? And then being willing to share. Some of that is it's sharing, not necessarily as, as a guru. Nobody wants to hear that. But as a brother or sister, hey, here's something the Lord has shown me. It might be helpful to you. And then... Sharing the power that you've received, which for, that, that really just looks like praying for people. Asking God to get involved. We're not fixing problems. We're asking Jesus to get involved in situations. That's all we're doing. For some of us, it's a big step relationally to think about like, praying with somebody, a coworker, And so you can work up to it. You can say, hey, I will be praying about that. But then you better. Because at that point, you've gotten God involved. Like once you've told somebody you're going to pray... If you don't, that's it's no good. You basically said, I'm going to talk to God about this, and he's going to get involved. And if you're not asking him about it and getting him involved, you're basically giving God a bad reputation. Don't, that's not condemning. It's just true. Don't say it if you're not going to do it. So for me, if I tell someone I'm going to pray for them, I do it right then. If I can't do it right then with them, as soon as I get off the phone or as soon as I leave, I do it right then because I'll forget. It's helpful. So just those three things, ask and listen and then share what you have. You trust the Lord to do the work. There's this interesting verse, I like it, it's in 2 Thessalonians 1, it'll be up there on the screen, I'll probably get there quicker than I will in my Bible here, so I might just turn around and read it. Uh, That bottom part, by his power, so this is a prayer Paul is praying, we pray that by his power 
he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. What are your desires for goodness and what are your deeds prompted by faith? Again, don't hear that as criticism, but as invitation. So when you choose to give away what you've received, that's a deed prompted by your faith. You're taking a step and saying, God, I pray that you can use this, that you can use me to bless this other person. Let's give them an opportunity to do those things through us. Fasting is wonderful, but it can cause us to be a bit inward focused. And some of that is good. We kind of need to, we, we have some stuff that we need to work out and clean up. But this last week, we want to get our head up just a little bit above the weeds and begin to look out at others and begin to ask these two questions. God, what have you given to me? And to whom do you want me to give this away? Again, not as a guru, not as an expert, but as a brother or a sister. Who do you want me to share with? Whether that's sharing a a word of encouragement or sharing a prayer and asking for your power to be present in their life and in this circumstance. There's no pressure on you to perform. There's no pressure on you to produce results. It's just putting yourself in a position to be used. It's a deed or an act that's prompted by your faith. I want to trust the Lord to meet you in that spot. We're going to close with this. We focused on giving. Super important, but you can't give what you haven't received. And all of us are constantly in need of receiving more and more. We see here in Acts 3 specifically healing. And we want to pray for people who are sick. We want to pray for you to be healed. God heals some people through natural means. He's given us these incredible bodies that are able to basically heal themselves. I looked at the stats yesterday. I think they're accurate 25 million in the U.S. who've tested positive for COVID. We know more than that who have had it, who never tested positive. Devastating 400,000 who've died, particularly if you love or know one of those 400,000. The other side of that math, so uh, it's called the novel coronavirus. Our bodies had never seen it. And 24.6 million people who tested positive recovered. And the overwhelming majority of them did so without any medical intervention. Our bodies are amazing, what God has given us. And he's given it to everybody, whether they love them or not. These bodies with this incredible capacity to heal. And he heals through natural means. And that is 100% his grace. He heals through medical means. We had a lady slip outside just now. And she's going to the doctor. And she's going to get an x-ray. And they're going to help her with her ankle. And it's wonderful. We have medicine and we have surgeries and God uses those. Those are gifts from him and it's easy to lose sight of that. Antibiotics work whether you're a Christian or not. A doctor who, who is spiritually dead can still save your life. Those are, that's common grace that God has given to everybody. That he works through medicine and he works through surgeries and he works through the healthcare workers who are experts in those fields. And... God heals instantly without any intermediate cause. He still heals like he does this guy at Acts 3. In places where there's no access to modern medicine, absolutely. In places where the name of Jesus isn't known, so the gospel will be confirmed, absolutely. But also in Marietta in 2021 with a world-class hospital down the street. He still does that. Just like you don't get medicine if you don't ask your doctor, we don't get healed if we don't ask God. 
And so that's what we want to do. And that's easy for me to say because I'm not chronically sick. I haven't been disappointed when I've asked God in the past to heal me and he hadn't. But I want to encourage you today, Wednesday at the worship night, take this week, ask the Lord to do this, to, to heal you. I don't know if he will or I don't know if he won't. I know he won't if you don't ask. Take another risk. It's an, it's an act prompted by your faith. God, I know you can do this. And I know that you're compassionate toward me, so I'm asking you to do it. You don't have to pray forever. Just ask him and let's see what he does. Yours might not be healing. You may need wisdom or direction in a decision. You may need deliverance. You may be ensnared in a sin pattern. You can't get out of it. You want to quit and you can't. And you hate yourself because of it. Jesus can set you free. We sang the song. He can set you free. You can let go of all those chains. You may need power to live an obedient life. You may need more love or more joy or more peace or more patience or more kindness or more goodness or more gentleness or faithfulness or self-control. We all need to receive. We can't give what we haven't received. And there's always more for us to receive. So let's do this. Bo's going to come back. I want you to close your eyes if you will. I'm going to go ahead and ask if you know right now, this is what I need. I want you to just go ahead and come forward as I'm praying. And you can either kneel or stand here in front of me at this altar. And our staff will come around and pray for you, not because our staff is better than anybody else, but because we know they don't have COVID, and so you don't have to be nervous. I want you to go ahead. Come on. Don't wait. If you don't know, you can just be thinking about that. God, what do I need? If you're online, I want you to do the same thing. We're going to pray about these things. Come on. You can, we're going to pray about these things on Wednesday. Staff, y'all go ahead and come on up. Start praying with people. If you know you can't be here in person on Wednesday night, I would love for you, once you decide this is what I need, let us know. Email Kim, Kim at StonebridgeMarietta.org. And just write, uh, we won't use your last name on anything. Obviously, if you're sending us an email, we're going to have your name. But we're just going to do first name, and this is what I need. Amy, whatever it is. And we're going to pray about those things for those of you that can't be here on Wednesday. So God, we pray for these. And if you're in your seat, pray for these folks. This is an act prompted by their faith to come forward. You may not even know their names. You don't have to. You don't have to know what's going on. Just ask God to break through in their life right now. God, we pray that each of these men and women who are kneeling and standing here Precious children. That each one of them would know how deeply loved they are by you. They would know the great joy and delight you take in them. And I pray, God, that you would move in their circumstances. Pray they would know your presence and they would know your power. Shift 
whatever needs to shift, change whatever needs to change, any place where the enemy is currently stealing and killing and destroying. God, we pray that you would thwart his work and that your kingdom would come in power in their lives, in their bodies, in their circumstances. For all of you, all of us sitting down, begin to ask the Lord these two questions. God, what have you given me? What do I have? What's my inheritance? I don't have a clue. What's my inheritance? You may want to start writing that down as things come to your mind. Recognize those are all gifts that you've received. You know, it doesn't make you better than anybody else. Then the second question, God, who, to, to whom would I, should I give this? Who in my life needs what I have? I want to be open-handed with it. I don't want to hoard. I don't want to hide. I want to be willing to share. It scares me to death, but I want to be willing. So would you bring people to mind? Would you open doors? Would you create connections for me? I want to give away what I've received. You can begin to ask him that. I'm going to give Bo a second. He's going to sing a song over us. You can sing with him. You can be thinking about those two questions. You can be praying for these who are up here in the front. And we'll be done in about four minutes. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you speak to your people? Would you work in the hearts of your children? In Jesus' name.
please come get prayer if you need it. If not, y'all are free to go. All right, we're glad you guys were able to join us today, uh, no matter where you guys are watching from. Um, we're glad you're able to connect in with this message in particular as we begin week three of the, the fast. A um, couple of things that, that I wanted to, yeah, I feel like the Lord just wanted to remind me, you guys, of um, they're really powerful, this message in particular. Um, just these questions, they really do. They're not simple questions that we can derive at. Sometimes they're easy to know exactly what the Lord has given us, right? We can put our finger on exactly times that he has given us authority over sin or over um, problems or habits or over uh, lack of faith in some areas. But then other times we really do need to spend time thinking, considering what does, uh, what, what did I get out of that hard season, that valley time? What was God doing in me? so that we can be able to see what God wants to do through us. Um, and and so I was thinking about you guys in particular, praying as Bo was uh, playing, that if you've been at home, if you have not been able to connect with us at all over the past year, um, and if you have been isolated from a lot of your other community, from your job this year, due to health concerns, um, I feel like the Lord is specifically giving you something, something that that'll that'll increase your faith, and that is very valuable to be able to give away. And so you may be able to think exactly, yes, I know what that is. Um, but I would ask you if you if you're unsure what this season has been, what God has been doing in you, uh, go ahead and spend time in prayer, um, really reflecting on what your time with Him has been like this past year. Um, through the highs and the lows of, of this year, be able to really put your finger on exactly what, God, have you been doing in my heart and in my mind and in my soul that I can then be able to give away. Um, I mean, the giving away piece, really, it, it requires us to be able to pray with our eyes wide open for us to be able to look and to see, God, who are you bringing into my life? Who can I give away what you have given freely to me? Um, and so those are just some thoughts that definitely carry those through throughout this next week. Spend time with the Lord in this final uh, week in the fast. Um, and like David mentioned, the the spiritual resistance, that is a real thing. I, I joked about it with being uh, irritable and uh, tired, hungry. Yes, but there, there can also be obstacles that are preventing um, us from being able to spend time with God. That our enemy does want us to not be Deep, more deeply connected with Jesus through this time. Um, and so continue this next week. Push in. Know that you are not alone, that we are praying, that we are worshiping, that we are reading and seeking after God together as a church. Um, and we will look forward to uh, to really hearing how God has been able to speak to you, what he's been able to do, how he's been able to meet you in your deep needs. Um, and if those are happening, go ahead, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys, matt at stonebridgemary.org, Kim, um, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. All right, have a great day.